your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 210 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood, and the NCHC went 38 games without a single COVID test. We previewed it with Alex Heinert, and now he is a recurring guest. Yes, the play-by-play voice of Midcoast Sports. He called many a game over the past three weeks, so we're A, surprised he still had a voice, and B, very happy to have him on the show. We get into, of course, the Nodak Sense. He talks about how cool it was the engagement rate, yes, send Twitter. You guys are elite. So lots of great conversation with them, what other players impressed them, and just the experience in general. So great conversation with Alex. We also just heard a conversation with DJ Smith on TSN 1200. We'll give you some of the notes for that and get back to our organizational value chart. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, December 22nd in Pilsy. Some good information there. A little bit more than we got from Pierre Dorian's availability the other day. What stood out most to you? Man, I love DJ Smith. Like, what what a good coach. Like, just, he, you can tell that's another salt-of-the-earth guy. Like, happy to talk. I mean, a lot of these questions, he's like, guys, I don't know. Like, I, this is all news to me. I'm trying to figure stuff out here. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to do a training camp. What's uh, What's going to happen here? So, Pretty candid for a guy that uh, really only has so many answers. I think probably the most interesting take for me, and this is a question we've been talking about on the show uh, for a long time now, is who's going to play with Thomas Shabbat? And he made it clear that he's going to start Goody out with Thomas Shabbat. And I think, Ross, that's probably who both you and I have pegged as uh, the right-hand shot defenseman for Shabbat to start, eh? Yeah, we're going to get to Goody later on in the show when we get to our value rankings. But one thing's for sure, and if you've been listening to Locked On Senators, you've had, you heard the host of Locked On Ducks on this show a couple months ago right after he was acquired. He played awesome with Cam Fowler. So he knows how to play with that kind of offensive-minded, jump-into-the-play type defenseman. And I think Branson is the perfect complementary player for that. So that's kind of who I was hoping. People were saying Josh Brown, that's what you brought him into. Josh Brown, like, yes, like, maybe some untapped potential, but he hasn't proven much. This guy's a healthy scratch just months ago in the NHL bubble. So I think that in terms of if it's Gabranson or Zaitsev, I'm very happy they went with Gabranson. Yeah, clearly. We saw the Zaitsev Shabbat show last season and uh, not great. Yeah, well, we also saw a lot of Shabbat, and DJ Smith made mention that at one point they had five veterans hurt, and that's when Belleville was basically asking you to put on the skates. and Hey, you played 10, you could probably play D2. But they were actually, all jokes aside, going through Brampton's defenseman like nobody's business. Put PTOs all left, right, and center, and that affected the NHL to the point where Thomas Shabbat's playing 37 minutes, the second highest ice time game in NHL history behind Dennis Weidman, and that, to me, can't happen this year. You need to have more depth with this condensed schedule. You have to be able to play all six guys. So what do you do? You go out and get NHL bodies, and now we're in a situation, Pilsy, where we're talking about how a guy who we believe 
whether it's Artyom Zub, Eric Branstrom, Mike Riley, a guy who we know can play NHL minutes is going to be out of the lineup. And that is a much better place to be than they were last year. Yeah, I mean, almost every scenario on this team is a better place than they were last year. So big improvements. And I also like the confidence he had in Matt Murray and Marcus Hogberg, DJ Smith. Like Best story of last year, he said. Definitely, definitely. Because Marcus Hogberg is a guy that a lot of people didn't have high hopes for, but he proved that, sure, maybe his Belleville stats weren't that great, but when he got to the NHL, he was focused, and he kept this team in games way longer than they should have been. So I think it's going to be fun to see what Marcus Hogberg can do in a pretty pretty much backup role. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 15, 20 games this season. DJ Smith. Really making us happy here on a goalie-friendly show, saying that that position is the strongest on the entire roster. Cannot wait to see Matt Murray in that 2D crest. But we also have to talk about Timmy Superstar. A, shout out, Timmy. We see you out there, captain of the German team at the World Juniors. So that's awesome leadership. It was only a matter of time, but it is official. And then, reading between the lines, DJ Smith, to me, sounds like a coach who believes that Right after that tournament, he will be able to step into the Ottawa roster. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much we can get into this, but any coach who's just been gifted a third overall pick is is going to assume they're in the lineup. But until, until we get a contract, who knows? All bets are off. Yeah, that's just it. One thing I did love hearing him say was that by the end of the year, should he sign, which DJ Smith didn't say, he basically said, by the end of the year, I want him in high-pressure situations, but he will ease him in, and that includes starting him 100% at left wing. So if you're making your sends, projected lines, you can put Tim at left wing for now, but you know we're very clear on this show. Both Pilsy and I get this guy playing down the middle as soon as possible. However, some think that his skill set better suits the wing. So we'll see what decides. So many questions to be answered. But it was great to hear DJ Smith on the radio. It just means hockey is that much closer. Also saying how players are now working out in groups. It's starting to get that early September vibe. And we'll be here every step of the way with you on the Locked On Senators podcast that you can just subscribe to wherever you get your podcast or follow us on Twitter at Send Central. Speaking of calls and announcing Alex Heiner, what an awesome job he, Jake Brandt, the whole crew on Amidco Sports did. So it was great kind of catching up. And I love Philzy, his uh, reference or the way he thought about it was, it was like leaving summer camp after he headed out of the Omaha pod after three weeks. Man, Alex Heiner, like get this guy called up to the NHL or the the AHL. Like this guy is such a good play-by-play character. I doubt he would ever leave UND. The guy loves it there. So probably not going to happen. But he did such an amazing job, him and Jake Brandt. And so thanks again for him taking the time. The guy just left the pod and he's taking the time to join us on the show. So big stick taps to Alex. Yeah, after calling all those games, you know that before he called us, he had to grab a Built Go because Built Go helps you break through that wall and make you the best at whatever you do. Everyone has that wall, whether you want to admit it to not. It could be mental, physical, but you can break through it with Go every day. Comes in easy to take, one and a half ounce packages that you can put anywhere. I put it in my ODR bag, bring it to the rink, power up halfway through. You can put it in your briefcase. If you need the most focused presentation, your golf bag, if you want to go through the back nine, if you're listening to this show somewhere where it's not snowy and minus 10, I'm jealous of you too. You can get Built Go because it's the best workout gel on the market. Think about it like this. 
It's five-hour energy, but without the worst part, without the crash feeling. Plus, it's natural. That means it's better for your body, hence why you feel better too. It's like drinking a monster drink, but with a third of the caffeine, and it provides better results. Hey, the flavors are better too. Give me some peanut butter, honey. Give me some chocolate coconut. Or if I'm feeling crazy, I reach for that chocolate mint. Now, how does Built Go work so well? There's this thing called collagen protein. It combines that with the energy gel and absorbs fast. That way it gets into my system and it's easy on my stomach. Built Go is loaded with all the good stuff that helps ignite my work, like beta alanine, like B3 honey. How about a kick of caffeine as the cherry on top? Built Go then kicks me going into high gear with B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily recommended dose. Collagen protein promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Now here's our chat with Midco Sports play-by-play voice, Alex Heinert. All right, we're now happy to welcome a very special guest back to the show. It's Alex Heinert, the voice of the NCHC pod. One of the few. You guys all did a fantastic job. 38 games without one single COVID test. So it went about as smoothly as possible. I want to get into, first things first, Alex, your overall experience. When we last talked to you, it was the night before it all began. How would you summarize how those three weeks went? Uh, first of all, good, good to see you guys. Um, it's, it's weird to think, Ross, that yeah, that was the night before we got started. And now it's been three weeks and it's gone by like that. I mean, it's obviously a ton of hockey in a short period of time. A lot of it blends together, but it was, it was an incredible experience. Just a ton of fun to be a part of something really special that our network was able to put on, that this league was able to put on. Uh, it was it was a blast. Obviously, I miss my family a lot. It was weird being gone for that long, but but awesome to get to be a part of it. A, a personal highlight for me, certainly. What was it like leaving the pod? Like that must have been a weird experience because it's almost like a vacation, but not really. You're working hard. You're at a hotel, and then you leave that atmosphere. That must have been kind of a well. I mean, literally a breath of fresh air. But that must have been really weird leaving the pod. It, I, I equated it best to like leaving summer camp. Like you've been sort of in this secluded place where you're just walking from the hotel to the rink and back with the same group of people. And you've done that kind of every day for, you know, 20 plus days. And now all of a sudden it's just sort of gone. It was, it was an emotional feeling. Yeah. To finish up with our last broadcast was last night. Um, and then to, to leave this morning to get back home. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, one of those things It felt good to be done. It felt like you'd accomplished something special. But there was, yeah, that sense of, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> that you sort of feel after those sorts of, you know, big life events like that. So I think all of us dealing with that a little bit today, and I'm sure we'll be feeling that, that, that sort of sense of um, withdrawal that you get after something really special like we just had to do. But again, Christmas is coming. We'll, we'll get over it pretty quick. We'll miss it. But it, it, again, a ton of fun and awesome experience. And, and a, a, part of that a, fun, a part of that fun was the quality of competition. Those games were yeah. back and forth. There were highlights left, right, and center. The first three games especially when it was the true Nodak Sens before USA had to steal a couple for national team duty. And I want to ask you about them, but I want to start with the MVP of the pod, in our opinion, 
maybe a biased one, but Shane Pinto tied for the, the pod lead in points. Nobody had more face-off wins, not even close, and no penalty minutes as well. Talk about an all-around performance from Shane Pinto. What did you learn about him through this three-week process? Well, I think we know he's made a leap. I mean, he was obviously outstanding as a freshman. Again, he was the league rookie of the year, did everything right, basically. But you can see that his all-around game has really improved. And Brad Berry told us that the other day, that like his 200-foot game has gotten so much better, and his confidence has gotten a lot better. Now that he's done it for a year, he knows, hey, I'm not just good enough to play in this league. I'm one of the best players in this league and in the country. And he played like that for the last three weeks. He just is a guy that they're going to lean on a lot uh, over the rest of this season. And he showed in the pod what he can do. Again, one of the nation leaders in points now. A little concerning at the very end. That last game took a big hit, you know, got, got hooked and went hard into the boards and came off holding his shoulder a little bit and tried to give it a go afterwards and then had to go back to the tunnel and was not seen from again. And it was a 6-2 to two hockey game at that point with them up on Miami. So you don't know how serious it was and if he could have kept playing if it was a tighter game or a more important game. But um, fingers crossed for him because he's obviously a huge piece of this North Dakota team moving forward. He was absolutely fantastic in the pod. Yeah, definitely fantastic. I mean, anytime you force yourself onto the top line, that's uh, an incredible feat. And do you think, is Brad Berry ever going to break up that line of Gaber Pinto and Pinto and Kawaguchi? There's no way, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, that line only came together, you know, midway through the pod because Kawaguchi had played with Grant Mismash and Colin Adams for the majority of last season. It had been like 400 something days the last time they weren't on the same line. So this line with Gaber, who's obviously a new player, a freshman out of Manitoba, uh, and then Pinto, this is sort of a new combination that they've come up with midway through the pod. Obviously, it clicked. They had a ton of, uh, a ton of chemistry. They were really successful together. Who knows, though? I mean, any time that there's a stagnation in the offense or you feel like you need a jump start, this team has a lot of talented guys, and I'm sure they'll mix it up a little bit, try some different combinations, and see what works. Well, Gaber was one of three at least, probably more because you called more than just North Dakota, but I love your signature call, opens his account when you get a first goal from a freshman. <laughs> and we got to hear that on not one, but two sends prospects with Jake Sanderson. And we're calling him the K-Train. Jake was on board with that nickname, Tyler Clevin. Because when you're up 7-1 and you step up on a forward coming out of his own zone, you know that there's a train coming at you. You got to get out of the train tracks if you're in opposition. But out of those two performances, and again, only three games, but did either of those surprise you? You talked about how Jake Sanderson comes in with the pedigree that he does, but those guys made an immediate impact. Yeah, I think we knew they were both going to be good, and I think we expected them to, to look not quite like freshmen right off the bat based on what we'd seen in preseason I and mean, what we'd seen in the summertime and in team practices. But yeah, I mean, they, they really both, Sanderson and Clevin, showed that they do, again, just like Shane Pinto, I mean, belong in this league and are going to be some of the better defensemen in the NCHC. And it was fun to see that happen right away. I think Jake in that second game against Denver, spotlights on, primetime game, big-time rival, two top four teams going at it. Jake's got a huge goal, has the assist on the game winner. Like, just there were some things, I guess not on the game-tying goal late. A lot of games, they're all starting to run together. But the fact that he stepped up like that right off the bat and made a huge impact in his second collegiate game speaks volumes about the kind of guy he's going to be over the course of his career at North Dakota and beyond. And then same thing with Clevin. I think, you know, he was, you know, maybe, I don't want to say quiet. I mean, it took, took just like a little game or two to sort of see some of the flashes. But yeah, he's toe-dragging guys and scoring highlight real goals and knocking people out. Like, this is a, these are kids playing their first collegiate games. These are 18-year-olds playing their first collegiate games and looking 
uh, like they're every bit as good as the high draft picks that they were this past October. Yeah, I think Sens fans and uh, Sens management were pretty happy. Small sample size, albeit, but with uh, the performances Sanderson and Clevin put up. So uh, having said that, Sanderson and Clevin, they leave for Team USA, and then Ethan Frisch goes down with an injury. UND left with five D-men for a few games. JBD was one of the guys who had to shoulder a lot of that weight on the back end. How do you think he held up in those games? I thought he played really well. I mean, they leaned on him a ton. As you said, he only had five defensemen, five healthy bodies back there. And one of them, one of them is a walk-on. And one of them, even though he's a draft pick, is a 19-year-old kid that is playing his first collegiate hockey. And so really, it was Bernard Docker. It was Gabe Bast, who's a senior that's played a ton of hockey for UND. And then Matt Kirsten, who's an outstanding player in a preseason All-NCHC pick. But it was really those three that had to carry the load. And I thought, you know, JBD was fantastic in that role. And we, we, we've come to expect that from him. He's such a steady player. The extra minutes didn't seem to bother him. You know, he's playing in every situation out there on penalty kill, on special team, on, on power play. He scored a big goal for them, created a game winner against Minnesota Duluth. I mean, he's, he's a, a guy that when the situation called for it, really took over on that blue line. And that's just who he is. And that's what we've expected. There is no surprise there. I, I think everybody knew, you know what, losing Sanderson, losing Frisch, losing Clevin for that stretch. Those are three of your top six, clearly. But the fact that Bernard Docker and Kirstead were still there, they had enough to get them through. And they managed to uh, through a pretty difficult stretch in the middle of the pod. That's what I wanted to get into. O two and one following those first three games that saw Sanderson and Clevin take off after. How do you see that that they got out of that hole? Was it coaching? Was it the change at the top of the lineup? How were they able to climb back and ultimately finish the pod on a winning streak? Well, I think you know at North Dakota that mentality has always been, and when you're backed up against the wall, that's the time when you typically push back the hardest. And this was a UND team, like you said, that started off three and zero. You knew it was going to be a bit of a bump because then all of a sudden you pull two of your top 60 out of the lineup for World Juniors. You lose another one because of injury. And you're playing four games in six days. It was the toughest stretch in the middle of this pod. And, the, and not only just four games, but games against St. Cloud State, who's a top 10 team, games against Denver, who's a top five team, and games against Minnesota Duluth, who's a two-time defending national champ and number four in the country now. That was a really tough stretch. And they had those games, boom, 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 before, without really any practice in between to figure out some of these things. Because again, Clevin, they had planned on losing Jake Sanderson. Like that was the plan all along. We knew Jake was going to go represent Team USA in Plymouth. Clevin had tried out for the team, was one of the last cuts, could have made the team, did not. The situation arises that several guys from Boston University get COVID or are a close contact. Now they can't be on the team. All of a sudden you find out after that third game in the pod, as in, within seconds after the thing was over, that he's got to get in a plane and get to Plymouth, Michigan to try out for Team USA all over again. They weren't prepared for that. And plan A became plan B and became plan C really quick. And it was always going to be tough, I think, for them to get the guys up to speed, playing new roles without not just two, but then three when Frisch goes down. So I think, you know, it was such a bizarre situation and there was no time to sort of react and respond. And it just took them a couple of games after some really tough opposition came through to find their feet again. And yeah, they, they found a way to, to fight through it with 17 healthy bodies out there. And they won a couple of games with, you know, under the number and then finished out the pod strong with two more wins when they had a full, a full complement of healthy people. It's a testament to that North Dakota mentality and how those guys rallied. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that that's just so goes to show you the kind of program and the kind of people working on that UND staff that they can recover from losing all those guys and switch their game plan like you talked about. So we've hit on the four NODAC fighting senators prospects <laughs> of the rest of the team. Who was one of the guys that really impressed you during this pod? Hope you guys are enjoying our chat with Alex Heinert, play-by-play for UND and the NCHC pod. Always good to talk to him, but we got some news for you guys. You know we got a big new sponsor, and Ross and I are stoked about this. BetOnline.ag. We love throwing some bets on any sports, especially hockey. The Locked On Senators podcast, the season is officially starting, and there are already lines for futures for Stanley Cup winner, for player futures. You can bet that DJ Smith, who has the longest odds to be the Jack Adams winner, at plus 5,000, you can get a bet on that. I put a bet on that. You guys got to do that as well. He's one hell of a coach, and he's going to get things done. But there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we here on the Locked On Podcast Network trust, and that's bet betonline.ag. you got to sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code, once again, exclusive promo code, locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Guys, keep following along with us because we're, we have the power to get new prop bets, new lines. We're working on getting the World Junior lines for you guys at betonline.ag. So stay focused. One more time, that's locked on promo code to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. Now, back to our chat with Alex Heinert. I mean, we already talked about him. Reese Gaber as a freshman to step in. He leads the country with seven goals right now. That's pretty good in your first 10 games as a collegiate. And right away, game number one for them against Miami, he was everywhere on the ice. And he kept up that level of excellence, really, from start to finish in the pod. So that's a good get for them. Um, Grant Mismash really had a good pod as well. Uh, second round pick of the Predators from a couple of years back. Grant really stepped up his game over the last couple of games. I think he had three or four multi-point games down the stretch and had, a, yeah, again, that game-winning goal against Duluth off a tip from a JBD point shot. Um, they need him to be good this year, and he really has continued to raise his game. He and Colin Adams both were two guys who took a bit of a leap as juniors, and they have seemed to continue that ascendancy now as seniors. Uh, obviously, Jordan Kawaguchi should be one of the first names you say with two game-winning goals in overtime, uh, a point in every game. That's pretty good again. Also, I mean, just consistent, always making plays. Uh, and then Ethan Frisch, too, who we talked about, even though he missed a couple of games in the pod. Uh, yeah, Jake Brandt had nothing but good things to say about him from start to finish. And, and we know Ethan's a good player, and he certainly was last year and could have been drafted. But he's going to be another one of those undrafted free agent types like a Matt Kierstead that's going to draw a, a lot of attention in a couple of years, and he's going to be an outstanding college hockey player for North Dakota. There right were a lot shot, of guys, too. And a, and a right shot defenseman, exactly, which is yeah. going to be important for this team. So a lot, of, a lot of guys stepped up. Yeah, yeah. Like those guys. Yeah, yeah, a lot of guys stepped up. Good pod for UND all around for sure. Hey, speaking of guys who stepped up, Jake Brandt, we didn't know that you guys pulled him off the street and threw a suit on him. He said that he doesn't have very much experience calling games when he was on our show. How does that dynamic work when you know he's a former player? He's a goalie, obviously, so he knows his stuff. But when you have that dynamic, where are you trying to throw to him in specific areas or ways that you know will help him succeed? 
for sure. Yeah, I think um, you know he's now in his year, his sixth season of doing this. Even though he was, he made it seem like he just does it every once in a while. No, he no, had no, us no. fooled. He so he came from Jake, old Jake. So he he had never done anything in broadcasting up until he started doing North Dakota games. And there was a a position there where the color man had had just left actually to go coach and wasn't going to be able to do the games for Midco on a regular basis. The team and the network and the university were trying to figure out who would be a good person to step in, who, who has a good personality, who would be fun to talk to, who the fans maybe would like. And Jake had been such a fan favorite when he was a goalie um, for the Sioux back in the early 2000s that even though he didn't live in Grand Forks, someone reached out and, and the coaching staff reached out and said, would you be interested maybe in trying this? And so he had some learning to do, obviously, because you've never, you've never, you'd never put a headset on before. He had never you know, done any of those sorts of things. But he picked it up, and he's, he's fantastic now. I just think he continues to level his game up. So he was maybe a guy off the street initially <laughs> who didn't have much background, but he figured it out pretty quick. And, yeah, now he's in year six, and I, I think he's one of the best, uh, the best around that does it. A really a pleasure to work with. And, yeah, so now it's a matter of knowing what situations can I put him in where he can succeed. There are different times when I don't want to put Jake in a situation that he's going to have to scramble or figure some things out on the fly. But – I also know when I can lean on him and, and leave things open and let him take stuff. And he does a really good job at that. Yeah, it's just chemistry. You just, you just get to know the person you're working with well, know their strengths and know where they maybe don't feel quite as comfortable and then playing to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, goalies were always known to be adaptable. So uh, good on Jake there. And hey, you make it easy when you got a good uh, wingman like you beside him. Last question for me. So the pod's wrapped up. That's all done. Like you said, it's kind of a weird moment leaving summer camp. What's next for you, Alex? So now after, um, yeah, this week will be a great time just to be with family, to enjoy, uh, enjoy Christmas with my girls. And then really the second half of the season starts in 10 days. That's what's crazy. Like North Dakota will play Omaha actually back in Baxter Arena on New Year's Eve and they'll start. Yeah, the that's kind of funny. Of eh? What are the odds? I mean, they've played, they finished two games uh, the previous season in Baxter Arena. Then they played 10 in a row down there for the pod. And now they'll go right back down there to start the second half. So 14 straight games on either side of, two seasons will be played in the same place, which is not your home facility. But yeah, so our coverage will start. Then the following week, UNO will come up to Grand Forks and we'll do those games. Uh, and, and it'll be covering UND on the road and home and, and uh, enjoying, yeah, hopefully, hopefully enjoying a, the return to normalcy at some point, being back in the Ralph, hopefully having some fans in there maybe. That's the plan looking ahead. And we see hopefully another Pemrose Cup in the, in the future and maybe a national title. That would be fun. That'd be fun to go on that ride. I mean, they were favored to win the thing last year. Obviously, they won the Penrose a season ago and were favored to win their ninth national championship and stuff kind of got derailed this year. They're leading the NCHC now through 10 games. So a good start for them. They'll have a tough road in the second half. They'll play Omaha, they'll play Denver, and they'll play Colorado College a ton. They'll play those, some of those teams six times, which is a lot against some really good opposition. But assuming the season continues on as we hope it does, they're going to be right in the mix, uh, not just for a regular season title, but yes, for more national championship honors. Because like we said, those first three games, when they had their full team, when Sanderson and Clevin and everybody was healthy and everybody was on board, they looked pretty good. And you think that group is just going to get better. So second half should be a lot of fun to watch, especially for Nodak Sens fans. Well, we really appreciate having you on the show, Alex. Your insight is awesome, and you killed it on the broadcast. We were up here watching every minute of it, and really do appreciate it. You came on before, came on after, and now you're a recurring guest. Friend of the show means you have to come on whenever we ask. You know we'll be asking you often when the Sandersons and Clevens of the world are back in North Dakota. Hey, final, final question, because you brought up those Nodak Sens. Did you yeah. notice a consistent bump in engagement online when the Sens were in action? 
<laughs> yeah, I had, I just, that was a whole world that I just was not aware of. And They're passionate. You know, Oh, super passionate and friendly. I really appreciated like all the nice, just the nice things people were saying about our broadcast and about, about these UND players that are hopefully going to be future senators someday. It was really fun to just get to experience that side of hockey. And I, yeah, it was, it was a blast. So thanks for pumping our tires so much. You guys are awesome. Really enjoyed the time with you too. Hey, no, uh, thank you. The pleasure is all ours and uh, happy holidays and enjoy the time with your family, Alex. Stick taps to Alex Heinert for joining us on the show. Really appreciate what he and all the behind-the-scenes workers did for Midcoast Sports, putting on a great event, a great broadcast, and how about the players for putting on a complete clinic on the ice, doing a schedule that they really were never prepared for in the first place. So great news all around there, and great news at the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a new pod alert. So once you're done listening to Locked On Senators, if you're in to the gambling, you know, you like to throw a few shekels here and there. The Locked On Bets podcast is for you. It's your boy Q and handicap expert Lee Sterling. They'll give you daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest wagers possible. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. It's brought to you by betonline.ag. Now, Pilsy, let's get into our organizational value rankings. We've had you know, some C-level prospects, some D-level prospects. Hey, one of them even got traded, like we mentioned earlier on in the show. But now we're getting to three guys. Two of them will for sure play in Ottawa. The third, well, I'll leave that to ask you after. But coming in at number 49, it's the Artie Party. Artem Anisimov, his first year in Ottawa, he came over in, let's be honest, a salary trade. Zach Smith going to Chicago. What was your first season impression of Artem? Artem Anisimov, he had a nice showing for his first season as an Ottawa center. Like, like, let's be honest, 15 goals, five assists, and 49 games played in a team where he was kind of the last veteran standing. Like, he was one of the only guys that didn't get shipped at the deadline. And like you said, the Artie party, Ross, you were at that game where Brady Kachuk gives Artem Anisimov a breakaway, and he gets the backhand for the OT winner against the Dallas Stars. So we'll always have that memory. He's a guy, he averaged 14 minutes a night, but his, his shooting percentage definitely inflated 17.2%. So that's probably not going to happen again. But this is a decent player who can still put up points offensively that can round out your bottom six nicely. Yeah, I think people would probably underestimate his goal-scoring ability across his entire career. And yes, I understand he played with Patrick Kane for a number of years in Chicago. But a guy where if he gets as many goals as he did last year, he's going to be knocking on the door at 200 in his career. That's no small feat. And for a team who we always talk about, these up-and-coming kids, you need some veteran stability in there. I don't think that he's as fleet as foot as he once was. He's not the defensive center that he once was, getting selkie votes at sometimes during, during his career. But what he does bring is that leadership and the ability as a big body to get in front of the net and cause a little bit of havoc. He's like 6'5". One of the games I was at last year, he was uh, he was injured, I believe, at the start of the year. And this guy is a unit, like just walking around. And when you have all these young up-and-coming Russians too, I don't think it hurts to have a veteran who's been through the battles before. He was with the Rangers when they went to the conference finals way back in, uh, in 2012 uh, when they went on that run there. So ultimately... I just see him as a guy, he'll get moved at the deadline if the price is right. One year left, $4.55 million on his ticket. 
Pilsy, I'll allow you. Say something nice about Artem Anisimov. Look, I, I don't really have too many bad things to say about Artem Anisimov, right? Like, we understand the point he's at in his career. Like you said, he's a big body. So he's a guy, I'm going to like him a lot on that fourth line in between Paul and Watson. He's going to be able to keep the offense going while providing a big body, like you said, in front of the net. Hopefully he can still grind for those puck battles in the corner. For something nice about him, you know what? I hope that he gets traded at the deadline to a contender and he kind of gets one last real shot at this. And then who knows where his career goes after that. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Russia. Yeah, hasn't been past the first round of the playoffs since, as I mentioned, that 2012 run with the New York Rangers where he played 20 games. So, yeah, six games with uh, Columbus in 2014 and then only two stops in the playoffs after that. So that would be, I think, ultimately the situation for Artem Anisimov where now we head to another big body coming in at number 48. It's Eric Gabranson, another player with one year left at an inflated salary compared to maybe what they're expected to bring. He's got $4 million on that deal. Your initial thoughts when you read that Eric Gabranson was coming to Ottawa? It was a really interesting move because this happened after they had acquired Josh Brown. Like, you almost would have thought that it's one or the other, but they acquired both. And initially, I wasn't stoked about it, but then we took some time. We broke it down. We took a look at what Eric Branson brings to, to this team. And we talked to the Locked On Ducks host, Jason Hernandez, and he had a glowing review for Branson, saying he was often playing with Cam Fowler. He was relied upon a lot he averaged over 20 minutes a night sometimes playing 23 24 minutes so this is a guy that I think he's gonna do a good job of helping these young defensemen like I'd like to see him play beside Shabbat or Willan and, and be a steady stable guy that can give them the confidence to take risks offensively and if they get into some nitty-gritty battles they know they got some backup because Goody can throw punches that's for sure yeah, doesn't lose a lot of fights and had 91 penalty minutes in 44 games with Anaheim, although many of those were getting back at Garneth Hathaway for uh, spitting on him. So you don't blame him for being pretty upset about that. He's also an Ottawa boy, so you get that added bonus of a third overall pick, by the way. Like this guy, up and coming, he was a stud. So you have that kind of acumen. And coming home at this part of his career where he's, I believe his uh, his fiance or girlfriend or wife is, is pregnant with – their first or second child so having that ability where he wants to make this a long-lasting home you think with one year left on his deal he's motivated he's coming home he's in a familiar city I think that the stars may be aligning here for him to be a decent player now let's not raise the expectation bar too high but if he can come in and provide 15 to 17 minutes a night of steady smart hockey I think is most importantly because he has been known to throw a pizza up the middle every once in a while if he can just chip and chase off the glass and be steady in his own end, box out in front of his net like DJ Smith loves his defensemen to do, I think he's going to find himself in a, in a situation where, A, he's playing every single night, and B, you could see him as a valuable penalty killer. He's a good shot blocker. He gets in the, in the shot lanes, passing lanes as well. So there is some upside, I think, even if it is a one-year ticket. And if it doesn't work out, much like Anisimov, you can ship him out at the deadline. And if he's playing well enough, I think you can easily – a la Nemesnikov, recoup what you gave up for him in a fourth-round pick, or 
Maybe you can get a third or, or whatever the case may be. We know that defensemen, right shot, always at a premium, but especially in a shortened season. You need depth on the back end. And I think we're going to see a lot of defensemen maybe go for inflated value at the trade deadline. Yeah, and he, he was traded for a fifth-round pick, so it's definitely easy for, for them to recoup that, right? It was uh, Josh Brown was the fourth-rounder. Yeah. Yeah, easy to mix that up. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see. I honestly think there might even be a chance that he re-signs here if he has a good season. And let's say Zub or Branstrom aren't quite ready yet and they want to have a veteran guy uh, who can be like a 7th D kind of guy in Goody. We might see a deal work out here. But I, as long as he can provide a good, steady, tough game, he's going to be welcomed here in Ottawa. Yeah, and fans, don't be so hard on him. This isn't the Erica Branson with Florida or with the Vancouver Canucks. I think from what we've heard in Anaheim and to a lesser extent Pittsburgh, he's grown in his game. And maybe the mistakes are, are happening at a bit less often of a clip. This is not a Cody Cece. You're getting a better player than that, to say the very least. Happy belated, by the way, Cody Cece, as we move on to number 47 on our Central organizational value rankings. It's Jonathan Davidson. Wow, how the narratives can change in a hurry. We put up a poll at Central right after the, the uh, Matthew Shane trade, and it was which of the two prospects, so leaving out Lassie Thompson, he was just a young first-round pick at the time, uh, not even chosen, I should say, just to be clear. But a lot of people thought Davidson was more valuable than Vitalia Bramov, and Clearly, that's not the case anymore. What happened last year that would really push him down on this list? Well, first of all, I think people were right to be excited about this guy. Like, he was putting up decent numbers at a young age in the SHL. 31 points as a 20-year-old, and then 21 points as a 21-year-old. But that 21 points, I think, was in like 37 games or something. So, a little bit of a less, less games played there. So, that's pretty impressive for a guy to do, be doing that in a pro league. As far as the season last season, it was tough sliding for Davidson. I mean, he played six games with the Sens, had one assist, 18 games with Belleville, two goals, three assists, but was a dash five. Really, the problem here was his concussion problems, and that ruined any chance of consistency. And when you're a 22-year-old prospect, having a broken season like that can be detrimental to your development. I mean, look at a guy like Logan Brown. He's done everything to prove that he's a good, solid hockey player, but he just hasn't had enough time to get in a groove. And I think that's what's happened with Jonathan, Jonathan Davidson here. I'm not ready to completely write him off. Am I disappointed in what I've seen from him? Absolutely. But I want to give him a full, healthy, consistent season playing a third-line role in Belleville this season until we can fully judge what we have here. I'll say something nice about him. He plays with a ton of pace. He's got good hands, and clearly he's, he can think the game at a high level too. So those skills, I think, are the, the bottom level of, a, of what could be a good player if he can reach his potential. However, it's about getting more reps because, yeah, like you said, he played 24 games last year total. The good news, he's already played 10 on his loan in Sweden so far this year. So he's hitting the ground running as training camp starts, and we'll be updating him as it goes. So head to Twitter at Send Central. You can see the entire length, or you can just go back and at the end of every one of our episodes over the last few days and going forward, we're going through our organizational rankings all the way up to number one, which should be out January 12th, leading in to the start of the NHL season on January 13th. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to air our Eastern Canadian Roundtable. Yes, we caught up with the host of Locked On Leafs and Locked On Canadiens. 
I played debate moderator. Pillsy had the Sens' best interests at heart, and I think you'll enjoy that. So stay tuned for that. Hope you enjoyed Alex Heinert for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.